I want to think with you this morning about something that we learn when we're just little kids. We learn it when we're little kids, but we discover as we grow older uh, that we learned it correctly. It's something that sticks with us. It's something that doesn't change. It's something that is just there all the time. We learn that it's a, a fact of life. It's the way things are. We may not like it, may not like it one bit, but that doesn't really change anything. What I'm talking about is that amazing truth that many of us have learned that life is not fair. Like I say, we learn it when we're little kids that, that, that you know, our parents tell us you've got to be nice and, 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 and it's good to be nice and people will respect you if you're, if you're nice, but, but we learn early on that nice people often do finish last, right? We learn that nice people are sometimes taken advantage of and our, our parents tell us don't cheat, but then we discover that cheaters often do prosper. My parents said, oh no, cheaters never prosper. I'd like to introduce them to some folks who I believe have prospered greatly as cheaters. I mean, the fact is, life isn't fair, right? We have that sense, and we see it in a bunch of different areas in our lives. We see it, for example, in school. Maybe you've been in that kind of a situation. I I know I have, and it's really frustrating. But if you're committed to not cheating, but you're in a class where half of the students are regularly cheating, and if it's one of those teachers and the teacher's not good at catching it, It is so frustrating. I've I've had that before where I knew everybody, not everybody, but half the class was going to come in with cheat sheets. And I thought, I'm studying. They're out kind of having fun tonight. I'm studying. I'm working twice as hard as them, but I'm going to get half the grade. It's not fair. I'm going to get half the grade because they got all the answers already written out. They've got everything they need. And it is so frustrating. And I'd like to say, well, they always get caught or it catches up to them. You know what? It doesn't always catch up to them. They're not always caught. At work, we run into the same kind of situation, right? We can run into the same kind of situation. We're committed to honesty. We're committed to working with integrity. We're committed to telling the truth. That's how God calls us to work. But we're surrounded by people who are cutting corners. We're surrounded by people who are willing to tell lies, who are willing to bend their integrity. And it can be so frustrating because we look at it and we say, yeah, but don't people know that I have integrity? Don't you think they'd want to deal with me? But instead, if they can save five bucks from the liar, they'll go save five bucks. They don't care about anything else. And it's just so frustrating. And we learn it, we learn it in our homes, right, in our families. As little kids, you know, mom and dad, you never let every parent, I think, has heard this. Well, well when I was that age, you didn't let me do that. You never let me watch that movie when I was that age. Oh, oh, Kaylee, she gets away with everything because she's the girl. And so she gets away with everything. And, and little kids learn. And as parents, as parents, what do we learn to say? Most of us learn not to say, no, really, life is fair. What we learn to say is, life isn't fair, deal with it, right? Life isn't fair, deal with it. We want our kids to know life isn't fair. Now, sometimes it's not a big deal, right? Sometimes it, it doesn't bug us that much, but sometimes... Sometimes it really gets at our souls. Some of you have been without work for a while, and some of you looked for a long time for jobs, and I think at those times, when you look at it and you say, you know what, if I'd be willing to lie about this, I could have had a job. There are people at my former company who kept their jobs because they lied, because they, because they deceived others, because they cut corners. And, and, and then it's not just kind of this, ah, eh, life isn't fair, just deal with it. Then it's this deeper sense of saying, you know what, this isn't right. This is not right. I told the truth, and I got in trouble. I did it right, and I got in trouble. And this person who didn't, and, and, and when we're at that moment, we just kind of really feel like we want to just say, God, why don't you do something? Shouldn't God do something? And, and it can be so frustrating. It can be so frustrating when some of the people we see who are most successful, who, whose kids have it all together, 
who have all the big houses and the boats and all the cottages and all that stuff, sometimes those people who have those things, when we know that they haven't gotten them in the right way, I'm not saying everybody, but when we know that people who haven't gotten them in the right way, it just feels like, God, this is not fair. This is just not the way it ought to be. If you've ever felt that way, if you've ever felt that deep struggle, then as Haddon Robinson says, and I need to just say I owe him a big debt of gratitude, but as as Haddon Robinson says, you're not the first one. The fact is, some 2,700, 2,800 years ago, there was a a guy who felt really ripped off. There was a guy who knew what it was like to feel like life wasn't fair. We don't know his name, but we know he was one of the sons of Korah. Korah was a a, a musician. He was a worship leader in the the temple. And this is one of his sons or somebody who worked in his area. We're not sure if it's biological or just somebody who was kind of like him. But but one of his sons went through a time of, of being really struggling and of looking at it and saying, this isn't fair. I've dedicated my life to God. I've dedicated my life to him. And my kids are getting sick and, and, and the bills are piling up. And this just isn't the way it is supposed to be. And then something happened. He figures something out. And in Psalm 49, in Psalm 49, he wants to tell us about his experience. In Psalm 49, he wants to say, you've been there, done that. And I was so ticked off. I mean, this is a psalm that was written about somebody who had, who had been in a place where, where, where it made him really mad. He was so angry that life wasn't fair. But he's through it, okay? He, he's so frustrated, though, that, about what had happened. He, he talks about what it was like in, in, in Psalm 49, verse 5. He, he says it this way. He, he says, why should I fear when evil days come? Now, he's talking about the future, right? Why should I fear? Why should I worry about this? Because he knows what happened in the past. He's been in those evil days. He's been in those times where it's just not fair. He's been in those times where it's just not right, where, where, where things were just out of line. It was evil days when wicked deceivers surrounded him. He, he remembers those days. And, and, and these were people who said they believed in God, but in reality, what they believed in was their wealth. Verse 6 says, you know what? Those who trust in their wealth, those are the ones that I get so frustrated with. And not only do they, 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 they trust in their wealth, but they boast they boast of their great riches, okay? He is so frustrated. They, they boast of their riches. They're just talking about how, how this is all so great, and isn't God great, and doesn't God bless me? But in reality, their trust is in their riches, and they're boasting in their riches. And, and, and the worship leader's a little ticked, because he doesn't have any riches to boast in. He, he, he's not getting paid much, and it's just frustrating. And if you know what that's like, if you know what it's like to say, why is that person so popular when she's this way or whatever? You, you know what it's like. The psalmist had been at a place where it made him really mad that life wasn't fair. But he's through it. Like I said, it, it doesn't bother him anymore because he has, he has learned something that helped him. Okay, Something changed. He was in the midst of this struggle. He was in the midst of this difficulty. And he figured something out. He learned it. And now what he wants to do in Psalm 49... What he wants to do in Psalm 49, he wants us to learn it, okay? So this is a guy who's been through a hard time. He's been really ticked off, and he wants to say, let me tell you something. Let me share my story with you. Let me tell you what what I experienced. He calls all of us to listen in Psalm 49, 1 to 3. He says this, hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. All of you, whether you're wealthy or not, whether you're intelligent or not, whether you're successful or not, whether you're popular or not, all of you need to listen to me because I have learned something extremely important. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. What, what, what he's saying there is, look, I, I was so mad and now I'm okay and I want to tell you about it. 
And you all need to know it. Those of you who are rich and those of you who are poor, those of you who trust God and those of you who don't trust God, you need to know what I, re- I-, I learned. You need to know what I learned to remember. And so he says, I want to I share it with you. He wants us to learn it. But this is where it gets fun because he wants us to earn it. You see, the psalmist knows. The psalmist knows that if, we, if he just gives us this truth and we write it down, we say, okay, fine, we're done. Then, then, then it goes kind of this deep. But if we have to earn it, if we have to figure it out, if we have to chew on something for a while, that truth goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and, and so he's going to want us to earn this. He's going to want to do this. And so he gives us a riddle. He gives us a riddle. Look at Psalm 49, verse 4. says this, I will turn my ear to a proverb, okay? And with my harp, I will expound my riddle. And, and, and so what he wants to do is he wants to say, I want to teach you something. I want to give you something you really need to know, something you really need to remember, but I'm not going to give it straight up. I'm going to make you work for it. I'm going to give you a proverb. I'm going to give you a riddle, and you're going to have to kind of follow all the way through. So you're going to have to work this morning, okay? You're going to have to work this morning because the psalmist wants us to, but if we do, if we do, it'll be worth it. He gives us a riddle, and in fact, he gives us two riddles. Now, let's think about riddles just for a minute here, okay? Because again, they're, they're, those riddles are things that kind of get in our heads, and then, and then they make us work, and they make us think, and we remember them. Some of you know this riddle, uh, right? What's black and white and red all over? There are a number of answers. One of the main ones is, of course, a newspaper, right? Uh, for those of you who are young, they used to have these newspapers they sent out and they came to our doorsteps and it was black print on white paper and so on. And yeah, kids can be taught to eat right. You'd learn important things in the, in the newspaper, right? So that, that's one thing that's black and white and red all over. Another one is a, a sunburned penguin, right? That works, right? The penguin's black and white and he gets sunburned, he's red all over. Or of course, an embarrassed skunk, right? I mean, the, you know, he, somebody told him that he smelled. And so he was embarrassed, right? Black and white and red all over. And, and that's the way riddles work, right? You kind of get into them and you think about them and you connect and then they, they kind of get it. Say, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. Well, I mean, what did the guy do when he, after he ran to catch the bus? What does he do? Well, he takes off his coat and pants. Get it, pants? Oh, come on. I know it's early, but come on. Okay, all right. Psalm 49, he's going to give us riddles. In fact, he's going to give us two riddles in Psalm 49. And I'm going to give them to you in a form, because we're talking 2,700 years ago in a different language and so on, we wouldn't recognize them in the form he gives them to us. So I want to do them in a form that we would recognize, okay? Two riddles in Psalm 49. The first one is this, and I'll put it this way. How are people like animals? How are people like animals. In verse 12, he says this, people are like the beasts, okay? People are like the beasts. And the way he says that, he wants us to say, how? In, in what way are, are people like animals? In what way, what's the, what's the connection? I mean, there are a lot of possibilities, right? But what's the connection? If we were to put it into a, a, a riddle, we would even recognize more. We might say, all right, how is a farmer like the cow he milks? How is a farmer like the cow he milks? Or, or how is a president like a polar bear? Or how is Arnold Schwarzenegger like a mosquito? How are these things alike? What do they have in common? He says, you know, when I was struggling, I realized something about this. I saw those people who were great, and I saw those people who were small. And he said, I realized something. And you know what he realized? You know what the answer to this part of the riddle is? We all die. We all die. You know, that farmer can milk the cow. He can be in control of the cow, and and he may own the cow. But at the end of the day, you know what? They're both dead. 
At a certain pace in the future, they're both going to be dead. And the president may be the most powerful person on the face of the earth, and that polar bear may be a nobody, but guess what? Someday they will both be dead, and Arnold Schwarzenegger can be honored. But you know what? He and that mosquito, at the end of the day, are both going to be dead. We all die. He said, you know what? That's what I realized. When I looked at those who were great in the eyes of the world, when I looked at my own life, when I looked at everything, I realized we all die. The rest of verse 12 says this in the English, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. That's what they're like. How are animals like people? We all, we all die. And, and, and I, I just want you know, to say you're welcome for depressing you today, but, but we got to start here. Okay, we got to start here that we all die. And, and, and the psalmist kind of chews on this for a while. He says, all the money in the world can't, can't stop death. Look at verses 7 to 9. No one can redeem the life of another, okay? Or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you are going to die. In our day and age, you can buy a transplant, maybe of some sort, but you are going to die. None of us can push off death forever. None of us can live forever. It doesn't matter how much money we have. No amount of money. Death is the great leveler. Greatest death is the great equalizer. You are going to die. I am going to die. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter how important you are. We are all going to die. All the money in the world can't stop death. He says, well, you know what, maybe, maybe there's this. We can keep our names alive and, and, and name things after ourselves, but, but we still die. Look at verses 10 and 11. For all can see that the wise die. It's not just the foolish who die. I die, you die, we all die. That the foolish and the senseless also perish. Leaving their wealth to others, we'll come back to that. Their, their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves, Right? I mean, you can give a large donation to some place, and you can say, name this building after me, or you could give a small donation here, and we'll call it a drinking fountain, the Kurt Geikema drinking fountain, whatever. I don't know. We're not going to do that, by the way. But, but you know, right? I mean, you say, then I can live forever because my name is on that building. Then I, then I can live forever because now I, I, I have done this, and people will always be talking about me. I'll name a city after me. Call it, you know, Ron Center instead of Byron Center, right? I mean, I, you know, I'll do something like that. Then people will always know my name. But you know what? You still die. You still die. Dead is dead. At the end of the day, you go put in a hole, and, and, and that's that. We can keep our, keep our names alive, but, but we still die. And, and to borrow a line from John Ortberg, when we die, all we have goes back in the box. And so do we. So do we. Psalm 49, 16 to 19. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their, houses in, in, of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. You cannot take it with you when you go. You, you, I don't care how much you have, you don't get to take it with you. You die naked. You die with nothing. You die, and that's the end of it. And as Ortberg says, it all goes back in the box, like the end of a Monopoly game. When it's done, it all goes back in the box. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you're prosperous. Oh, everybody loves you then. They will join those who have gone before them who will never again see the light of life. That's why I say it's not just our stuff. You know, I mean, again, you look at it and you say, wow, man, this person has all this cool stuff. They have that awesome car. They have all this stuff. You know, enjoy it if you got it. But recognize it's not that much because at the end of the day, it's going to go back in a box. When you die, think about it. When you die, your kids are going to put your stuff in a box and they're going to bring it to goodwill. You imagine they're going to want it? They're not, okay? 
they're going to bring it to goodwill. They might have a thing or two, a trinket or two to remember you by. But in reality, it's your junk. And that's all it is. And you're going to go in the box too. Think about it. What happens at the end of our lives? We will never again see the light of life. They put us in a box. What is it? Seven foot by two foot? That's the box you're going to end up in, okay? When we die, all we have goes back in the box. And so do we. The psalmist says you need to understand something. How is an animal like a person? How is the cow like the farmery milk? We all die. Now you can sit here and say, this is a fun psalm, Ron. Thanks for preaching on this one. It's, you know, what's going on? Why, why does the psalmist want us to know this? What's so important about this? Well, what I want to suggest is when we remember that we're going to die, it gives us perspective, right? When we know that we're going to die, when we know that we don't take anything with us, when we know that we cannot stop death, it gives us just a little bit of perspective. It helps us see things in the right way. You know, there are a lot of movies that kind of do this, but just imagine this scenario in your own life. Imagine that um, tomorrow you're watching the news on TV or on your iPad or wherever you get your news. And it's one of those, you know, Hollywood miracles where tomorrow what you actually realize you're watching is the news from December 31 of 2014, the news from the end of the year. And they're doing the year in review. And you have it. And they're listing all the stocks that have exploded. And they're listing all the great upsets in sports. And you realize you are now on easy street, right? You have all this insider information. You're going to be able to be wealthy. You're going to be able to make all the, you know, I mean, it's just going to be awesome. Because you can make bets on the teams that are going to upset other teams. But then about 25 minutes into the newscast, they also list the deaths. And there's your name. Ron Cool died in a car crash December 30, 2014. Now, if you can wrap your kind of, if you can imagine that, right? If you can imagine that, you got seven months to live. Yep, I can become wealthy, but I got seven months to live. It changes everything. When you know, if you know your death date, it changes everything. If you understand and live by the fact that you're going to die, it changes everything. It gives you a different perspective. You might make a few bets, but you're going to do it differently because gathering a bunch of stuff doesn't really change anything. It doesn't really change very much. I've seen this happen. You've seen this happen. When, when, when somebody knows that they have a terminal disease, when somebody knows they have a terminal disease, they start to live differently. They start to focus on different things. They have a different perspective. Most of the time, they work a little less. They don't try to accumulate so many toys. They don't spend way too much time on a Saturday trying to build something on the back, th- back deck and be really sore on Sunday morning. You know, they're just smarter than that. So you got perspective. They see what it is. And, and, and so that's where he starts. That's the first thing he wants us to remember is, is we all die. You know, when I'm envying the wicked uh, the, who, are, who are prospering, he said, we all, we all die. And, and so the first invitation, and it's a great one for Memorial Day, is to remember it's to remember that we're all going to die. And I really do want to challenge you to, to, to do something to help you remember that. Go to a cemetery. Read the obituaries. Remind yourself that life is short. Remind yourself we don't have eternity on this earth. Remind yourself that we are all going to die. One of the orders of the Trappist monks, uh, one of the orders of these monks, what, what they do in order to help themselves remember that they're going to die is um, they dig a grave. Even if nobody's dead, they dig a grave. And every day they are required, either as a group or individually, to go stand next to that grave and to look down into it for several minutes. And to say, is this mine? Think of if you did that. 
Think of if you spent five minutes a day looking into a grave, how that would change your perspective. When somebody dies, they put them in that grave, and then immediately they dig another grave because they remember they're going to die. And and that, that gives them perspective on how they live. It gives them perspective on what's important. It gives them perspective that this world doesn't last very long. And so remember that you're going to die. Remember that you're going to die. You're not going to have forever. You don't have all the time in the world. So that's the first riddle. How are, how are people like animals? We all die. And as I say, that gives us perspective, and that's really important. But, but if this is all we had, there's not much comfort, right? I mean, it would allow us to say, neener, 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 you're going to die too. It would allow us to go to those who are, are, you know, and say, well, at the end of the day, guess what? You have nothing and I have zero, and that's just the way it is. We we could say that, and and we can live with perspective, but it doesn't give us much comfort, and that's why we need to go on to the second one. That's why we need to go on to the second riddle in, in, in Psalm 49, okay? How are people like the animals is the first one. The second one is this. How are people not like animals? How are people different? from animals. Uh, again, to put it in the, in the terms we used, how is a farmer different from the cow he milks? How, how is a president different from a polar bear? How is Arnold Schwarzenegger not like a mosquito? That one's harder to come up with. No, sorry. I like Arnold. Any, but, uh, but, you know, what's, well, what's the difference? I, well, you know, in one way, we're all alike. We all die. In another way, there's a fundamental difference. And what, that dif- what is that difference? The answer we're given is in, is in Psalm 49, verse 20. And, and let me just tell you something about the Hebrew here, and I'll show you something, and you don't have to worry about this much, but, but verse 20 is almost exactly the same as verse 12. Okay, it's almost, there's just like two letters that are different. Two letters that have been changed around, but you change two letters, you change a word, you change a word, you change a sentence, you change a sentence, you change the meaning, okay? And, 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 and so it's almost the same, and I'll, I'll actually show you this, because I think it's kind of fun to do this. Okay, that's 49 verse 12. I'm sure you can all read that. This is, um, come on, here we go. 49 verse 20. Now, I I know, you look at it and you say, I can't tell if they're the same or different. But if I do this and we bring this up, watch how it matches up. You see? Everything except for that section right there. And and those you can see, a lot of the letters are the same, right? And and so it's almost exactly the same. He's going to give, again, this is part of the riddle. He's giving us a twist here. There's one little thing that's different. And he's going to say, you know what, we're all alike in that we all die. But there's something different about it. All right, so here's 12. Let me show it to you in English now. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. As I said, like the animals, we all die. That's what verse 12 says. 49 verse 20, if we translate it, says this. People who have wealth but lack understanding. Again, we change endure to lack understanding. Who do not endure now, who do not have understanding, are like the beasts that perish. So, again, if we underline this part. People who lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. What that means is, what that means is if we have understanding, we're not, okay? This is where we get to the center of this psalm. People who have understanding are not like the animals, okay? So how are people not like animals? We can have understanding, all right? We can have understanding. There's a a sense in which that farmer and his cow are very different because that cow doesn't have understanding, but that farmer can have understanding, there's a sense in which Arnold and that mosquito are very different because that mosquito doesn't have understanding, but Arnold can have understanding, right? The president and the polar bear, the same thing. Great, but what's understanding? <laughs> what's understanding? If this is what makes all the difference in the world, what, what is understanding? Understanding is this. It's knowing. Knowing that when life is over, it's not really over. And there is a judgment day coming. 
See, what the psalmist wants to get at, what he realized, what helped him in those dark days, in those struggling days, is is that this world is not all there is. He says, not only are we going to die, but there's a judgment day, and after that, we're either going to go to a better place or to a worse, to a better place or to a worse place. And he said, helping that, remembering that makes it all the difference in the world. When When I have that understanding that this world is not all there is, when I have that understanding that this world is not the only place that matters, when I have that understanding that there is another world coming, then I start to find strength. Then I start to find comfort. Then I start to say, you know what? i got to live for that world, not for this one. Now, it's not that we don't care about this world. But this psalmist wants us to know at that big picture level, we got to remember and we got to understand that this world is not as significant as the world to come. And, and, and we need to know We need to know that when life's over, it's not over. This world is not all there is, but there will be a judgment. And he says, those who who without understanding will be in trouble. Look at Psalm uh, 49, 13, and 14. He says, this is the fate of those who trust in themselves, those who don't have understanding, those who think they can stand on their own two feet. Let me tell you, at the end of the day, what's going to happen to them and of their followers who approve of their sayings, they are like sheep and are destined to die, and death will be their shepherd. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. But I'll tell you, if we don't put our trust in God, if we don't walk with God, then death will be our shepherd. The upright will prevail over them in the morning, will come back to that. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from the princely mansions. Their eyes will never see the light of day. It will be darkness. For those who refuse to walk with God, they will experience darkness for those who think they can stand on their own, for those who fail to put their trust. We need to understand that, friends. This is the way it is. And, and, and if we understand that, if we understand that those without understanding will be in trouble after death, it, it, it changes things for us. Again, let's think about that, that farmer and the cow out in the field. I mean, at one level, if you see a cow in the field, I don't know if you've ever thought this, I have. You see a cow out in the field, you kind of say, that, that cow's got it made, Right? I mean, he sits there, he eats all day, and, and, and the farmer brings him hay, and the farmer brings him water, and that cow has got it made. The farmer might be tempted to, to be jealous of the cow, except for one thing. The farmer has understanding of the end of the cow, right? The farmer knows what's ahead. The cow doesn't know what's ahead. Cows don't sit there going, yeah, he's just trying to fat me up for the slaughter. This is no fun. The cows just eat. They just enjoy today. They just like what's there. But the farmer says, you know what? I feel a little sorry for my cow because, you know, on a Memorial Day, he's going to be somebody's burger. He's going to be on somebody's plate, and I feel a little sorry. The farmer has understanding. The cow doesn't. And those who die without understanding are like that cow. Those who go through life and say, you know what? I'll stand on my own two feet. This is a huge warning. The psalmist says we've got to understand something. And, and I think he tells us in, in using this imagery and, and these riddles, I think he reminds us that, that, that his sense towards those who, who are, he was jealous of, you know, it kind of went from saying, oh, this really stinks, they got him made, I hate them, to I feel sorry for him. Think about it, right? If you have understanding and your neighbor who, who's just enjoying life like crazy in all the wrong ways doesn't have understanding, the proper response is not anger but, but sorrow. Because they don't see that there's a judgment day coming. They don't see that. They're, they're just like the animal, living for today. And you want to say, no, my friend. If you don't put your trust in God, that day is a day of darkness. That day is a day of pain. 
And he says, those with understanding will experience deep and great joy. He says, this is the fate of those who trust in themselves. But then he says, but in the upright, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning, that which is in bold. In, in the Psalms and in Scripture, darkness is always night. Darkness is always night, and it's the time of struggle. It's the time of difficulty. But the morning is a new beginning. And, and what the psalmist is saying in this verse is that if we have put our trust in God, when we are through with the darkness of this life, when we are through with the darkness of death, we will experience the sun coming up, and we will experience a new day. I, I know of a, a number of people, not a ton of them, but a number of them. I think it's a great pattern to get into. But they try to say, you know, when they're saying goodbye to somebody who's dying, well, what they want to say as they, as they finish that up are these words. And they're great Christian words. I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. That's what we believe. That there is a new morning. That death is not the end, but there is a new morning. And if we have walked with God, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, then death is not the end. Yes, we will all die, okay? We, we know that's the case. We will all die, but death is not the end. Psalm 49, verse 15, God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. I know that he can take care of me. Death is not the end. God will save those who put their trust in him. The psalm is saying, God can buy my life. And God can give me a new beginning. And if I put my faith in him, if I put my faith in him, that new day will not be darkness, but will be dawn. And if he knew that, how much more will we know that we can, God will save us when we put our trust in Jesus? I mean, that's the core of the gospel. The, the psalmist is saying to us, friends, look, when you feel like life is unfair, remember that this life is short and there's another life coming. And it's not great to win in this life. What you need to do is win in the next one. And the way you win in the next one is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder if Psalm, uh, Paul, rather, the Apostle Paul had this passage in mind. You know, Saul knew the old, uh, Paul knew the Old Testament like crazy. And I wonder if he had Psalm 49 when he wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, because I think Paul is, is thinking about the wisdom of, of Psalm 49. He writes this, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 32. He's talking about the, the resurrection of the dead, and he says, look, let me just tell you something. If the dead are not raised, we ought to party. Look, if this world is all there is, then the cheaters are going to prosper, and let's be cheaters, right? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we'll die. Paul is not disputing that. If the dead are not raised, if this world is all there is, then you might just as well. There's no reason to really have integrity. There's no reason to tell the truth because all you're going to do is, there's no judgment, there's nothing else coming. And Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then you might as well just enjoy today. You might as well just go have a big party. But of course, Paul argues, there is a resurrection. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There is a resurrection. And what does Paul say in verse 58? Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Right? Because there is another world coming, we, we stand firm. Those without understanding will be in trouble after death. Those with understanding will experience joy. And so the second invitation, the first invitation is to remember you're going to die. The second invitation is to get understanding, friends. Get wisdom. Get the truth. Get, get new life through Jesus Christ because there is a judgment day coming. So let's wrap this up. What do we need to remember when life is unfair? Well, we need to remember that, that, that in some ways we're like cows. 
we all die. But we also remember, need to remember that in some ways we're not like cows because there is another world coming and everything will be made right. I want to finish with this, uh, an old story about John Wesley. Wesley was a, a preacher in England and then he came here to the States. Some traveled back and forth. Uh, Wesleyanism, very, very powerful preacher, brilliant guy. Toward the end of his life, he, he went and spent some time with an English gentleman who was very, very wealthy. And uh, the guy showed Wesley around all of his grounds, showed him around all of his, his stuff. And, and, and they talked during the day. And at the end of the day, the, the guy said to Wesley, he said, you know what, you're brilliant. You could have gone into business and made a lot of money. He says, in fact, you know, he says, you could have had all this. You could have had all this. And Wesley responded. And he said, well, perhaps. But there is another world. That's wisdom. That's Psalm 49. We're going to die, and there is another world. Yeah, you're like the cow, but you don't have to be. Let's pray together. Father, it can be so hard for us to remember this eternal perspective. Thank you for this psalm. Thank you for the way that it reminds us that, that there is there is another world coming. So give us strength and courage to be faithful in serving and following and trusting in you today because it doesn't matter all that much whether we win or lose today. But on that judgment day, Father, we want to have a brand new morning, a day of brightness and joy because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So help us to turn our eyes on him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a, a song of response. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Mm.